Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. Listening to the True Crime Dumpster Podcast with hosts Amy and Kevin. And it's another quarantine edition with episode 26. Eli Weaver, the Amish stud murderer. Such a stud. Well, we'll talk about what we think about him in a little bit, but how are you doing this week? I'm fantastic. I'm really getting used to the new normal. I Love my mask. Amy's got to tear it off my face when I get home. (laughs) And the gloves are keeping my hands nice and moist. So um, I always have grape fingers. Raisins, sorry, (laughs) raisins. (laughs) Like when you're in the bath too long. Yeah. That's how how my face and hands are. I'm sorry. It's great. Well, at least you're not sick. Soon there'll be and no food, so we'll we'll have that to look forward to. That's not true. Just well, that's what the news said. And you believe everything the news says? Well, they are the authority. All right. So I think part of why we like to kind of start off and talk about our quarantine lives a little bit is that if you're listening to this in the future and you're like, what the heck? Why are they talking about you'll kind of understand like when we're recording this. So what is today? It's Seis de Mayo. It's the 6th of May that we're recording this and we're actually going to put it out on the same day. And it is 2020. It's halfway through 2020. Isn't that crazy? Almost. Yeah, it's been a real great year so far. Yeah. Everybody's stoked. So this week we're going to be covering the murder of Barbara Weaver. And part of the reason I picked this was that I watched a pretty good miniseries on Netflix a couple of weeks ago called Unorthodox. And it was based off of Deborah Feldman's autobiography of the same name. So she was in the very Hasidic, I don't know if Hasidic and Orthodox are like interchangeable words or anything. I will admit, I don't know too, too much about Orthodox or Hasidic Jew culture other than they have pretty sweet little cute curls and they don't want to walk next to me on the sidewalk. I started looking into like some Hasidic or Orthodox Jewish crime and oh my God, there was so much. It was overwhelming and there's a lot of political ramifications and I started to go down that rabbit hole and I wanted to jump out. If you do want to listen to some pretty great Hasidic or Orthodox crime stuff, there is a podcast from Wondery. It was only like a two episode thing that was featured during season one of Over My Dead Body about the Dan Markell case they were covering. But it's called The Prod Father, and it refers to Mendel Epstein, a Jewish rabbi who would get the get for women who needed to escape 
Orthodox Jewish marriages. So what the get is, so the get is the man's consent to get out of the marriage because it's very hard to get like very, very, very religious sects tend to have very strict guidelines around marriage. So the prod and the prod father actually stands for a cattle prod, which Epstein had purportedly used to torture men who refused to give the get to him. And he would use it to threaten them as well. So that's why he's called the prod father. Yikes. Yeah. Then I started going down this other weird religious rabbit hole thinking about wanting to do some crime around communities that have very strict guidelines with their religion. And of course, there's the Amish, which there's a lot of similarities between the Amish and um, Orthodox Jews, just in terms of like staying very insulated in your communities, as well as having a lot of strict guidelines for how to live your life. So I heard something a while back when I was looking into Amish crime, because, you know, that's what you do casually on a you know Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> and I had heard that there was something only like three homicides committed on wives from their husbands in the 250 plus years of this religion in the United States. And that is true to some extent, but this can be a very misleading statistic. The Amish are a very insulated community that tend to police themselves. This can be said about a lot of religions and groups around the world. They'd rather dole out their own punishment to protect their reputations than bring in outside help. There is also a stigma to mental health and, again, outside perceptions of their group that keeps groups of people not only away from law enforcement, but away from punishment or therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, and medication as well. So, Kevin, what do you think of when you hear the name Amish Stud? <laughs> uh one of the lamest porno movies you could probably ever see. <laughs> really? I actually think of like... Or a horse. Yeah, I actually think of a horse when I... When like the words Amish and stud together just... Actually, like maybe like a chest of drawers or some nice piece of wood furniture. Yeah, when we think of the Amish, I think of horse-drawn buggies. So that's where I get, you know. And then we think of furniture, maybe mm -hmm. beards, funny hats. Part of the Halloween costume, yeah. For some reason, I think of Quaker Oats too, but that he was a Quaker. I don't actually don't know much about the Quaker Oat guy, but he he always Same floats shit, in my mind. Different costume, yeah, exactly. So, I think of a <laughs> when I think of Armistead, I think of a horse wearing a fake Abraham Lincoln beard. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. But in this case, it was the sexy screen name for a man named Eli Weaver. I got most of my information from an investigation discovery show called Deadly Devotion. And I also got information from a lot of local newspapers because it, it is kind of hard to find background information on any of these people. Because, again, very insulated community and also not into being photographed and not into documenting their lives in any kind of way that's easy to find. So... Barbara Weaver did have a journal kind of thing, but again, like we want to be respectful of victims. And so we don't want to like straight up just read her diary or anything, but it will help us kind of understand where she's coming from. So we're going to read very like the smallest little parts of it later on. But 
as you'll see, very, very, very insulated community, hard to get a lot of information from. So most of my information came from local newspapers and the show Deadly Devotion. Barbara Weaver was born in Oroville on February 2nd. So her and I share a birthday. 1979 to David D. and Emma Troyer Miller and lived most of her life in the Apple Creek area of Ohio. She was a member of the Old Order Amish Church. She was a good girl. During her rumspringa, her girlfriends would come over on the weekends to eat pizza and read Lori Wick Christian romance novels by the light of a kerosene lamp. Settle down, girls. I know. I looked up Lori Wick's novels. Oh, my God. (laughs) She does, like, historical romance novels and Christian romance only. I think she has a couple Amish. Like Genghis Khan and I I think that they all are, like, a lot of courting. I don't think there's, like, sexy time. I heard that Genghis Khan was quite the courter. Oh, I don't think so, sir. They would fantasize about their future husbands. Barbara just wanted to fall in love and start her own family on the farm. What's rumspringa, you ask? Essentially, this is a time when parents allow their young children, usually around the age 16, to leave the walls of the Amish community and see what's outside of their little town. After they've experienced it, they'll have to make a choice as to whether or not they want to continue living the Amish lifestyle. I'm getting this information from a website called (laughs) AmishFurnitureFactory.com. So... I think this is part of the application to work there. Well, and also there aren't a lot of Amish websites because they don't believe in it's using the forbidden. internet and stuff. So the only thing, and we'll we'll find this out with Eli as well. He so kind of uses it as ru- a cover. Runs their website. <laughs> Business owners are allowed to have websites, and so that's why I kind of liked this for information because this comes straight from an Amish website, which is fairly rare. They're allowed to do business with outside people or like the English speaking world, you know. So that's why it's one of the most credible sources I could find. The word rumspringa literally translates to running around in Pennsylvania German. And also a lot of places will say Pennsylvania Dutch. And I think that it's actually Pennsylvania Deutsch, which Deutsch is the German word for German. And so I think just over time, it's turned into the word Dutch, Pennsylvania Dutch. But I actually think it's Deutsch because it's German. And it's just an, an amalgamation of all the different dialects of German that had moved to that area. And it just what they, they called leveled out to this version of Pennsylvania Dutch. But again, it's not Dutch. It's actually German. Okay. It's, it's, it's a little confusing. But if you know linguistics, it's, it's, it's really interesting. During this time, children are given the opportunity to experiment with non-traditional Amish life. For instance, they may visit a neighboring town where everyday clothing, use modern technology such as cars and cell phones, and even drink or party with non-Amish individuals. Some groups even go to bars and nightclubs in the area. Youngsters also wear regular clothes and hairstyles. They refer to this practice as dressing English. Social media is a big thing during this time as well. Normally, the Amish are a very tight-knit community that puts strict limitations on the use of technology and where individuals can and cannot go. Life among the Amish is focused around worshiping God, maintaining the family, and serving the community. However, during this time, parents and the elders will overlook the behavior that children engage in during rumspringa. 
They believe that everyone should experience the outside life before making decisions as to whether or not they want to live an Amish lifestyle. It is important to note that many individuals like Barbara do not go crazy during this period. It is a choice. Rungspringa may last up to two years, but it is up to the elders of the community to set the time period. Due to the fact that the individuals aren't baptized yet, children are not yet under the church authority. Technically, this is part of the reason they are given a pass on experimenting with activities that are typically shunned in the Amish community. After Rumspringa, individuals need to make a choice. About 90% of the Amish youth choose to stay with the Amish way of life, and then they are baptized. And I think that that statistic is true to some extent, you know, like I believe that. But also, like, if you're 16, 17, 18 years old and you decide, you know, I want to live this English way of life, not the Pennsylvania Dutch slash Amish way of life. It's not like you have lots of money. You get shunned from the community. You can never speak to your family ever again. Basically, they'll, they'll turn their backs on you if you decide to leave the church. And so it's just like that's such a young age. It's not like like you really have to be prepared to leave forever and have all your ducks in a row if you're going to leave the church. So I think that although I think it's like cool, like, you know, to some extent that they allow their youth to do this. I think realistically that number of the 90 percent stain is purely because kids are like. I can't they take, have nowhere else they to have go. no skills yeah. like they yeah, like they have no skills they have nowhere to go I mean, they know how to like till a fucking I, field I have this feeling and and, and this is me just kind of well I have this feeling and I think that this is I think this is true I think that people who leave the church or leave the Amish lifestyle it's because they met someone on the outside and that someone is willing to take them in because other because if you don't have like if you don't create a web of like resources during that two-year period, you're going to have to go back to your family, you know? So I, I bet you that most of the people who leave the church during that time are probably young girls who meet men who have jobs. Yeah, probably. I, I bet you. Because, again, like, they don't have traditional schooling. They don't have sex education at all. They don't talk about it at all. They don't go to regular school. They know how to milk cows and make babies. So it's like, what kind of skills can you offer to the outside world? Well, girls can have babies and take care of a home. And a lot of dudes like that. And they can milk cows at the same time. <laughs> Kinky. Yeah. So if you ever have the weird desire to learn more about the Amish, there's a 2002 documentary that got a lot of attention called yeah, it was actually Rumspringa, like, the yeah, it was Devil's act- Playground. It was actually nominated for some like uh, Emmy Awards or something. I-, I would have assumed Oscar, but it said Emmy. Again, this is from the furniture website. <laughs> Anyways, Eli Weaver's Rumspringa was very different from Barbara's. He pushed the boundaries of everything, hooking up with people he met on the internet, going to strip clubs, drinking. However, he does meet and flirt with Barbara during this time as well, which ultimately seems like the reason he hesitantly decides to stay with the church at the end of his Rumspringa time. However, he will never quite get all of the devilish desires out of his head, as you will soon see. On May 27th, 1999, Barbara married Eli D. Weaver. It was a dream come true for Barbara. And to be honest, it was a good opportunity for Eli. She was pretty. 
with dark blonde hair and freckles and would be a good mother to his future children. However, we cannot fully know what she looked like because the Amish do not take pictures often or at all. In her 30 years of life, there is no photograph of Barbara. Isn't that kind of sad? Not even a drawing? No. I don't think so. I mean, maybe the kids drew her or something. But yeah, there's no known picture of Barbara. Her And the information's really limited as well. It's like she well. never existed. <laughs> sort of. I mean, she has a gravestone and she has living offspring, which I went down one Reddit rabbit hole. I didn't take notes or anything. But there are people who personally know the children, who, who, who say they personally know the children and say that they're doing really, really well. That's good. So that's good. Yeah. So like there is some lasting memory of her. And, you know, just the fact that we're still talking about her gives her, you know. Yeah. Some more life. Still around. Yeah. Barbara learns about sex for the first time ever, which is, by the way, only for procreation, duh, right before her wedding night. And this also kind of reminded me of the Unorthodox series as well. If you do end up watching that, it's pretty good. Um, There is like this woman who has these like felt kind of puppet things of like a penis and a vagina. Um, no. where she'll show you like what sex is and what it, uh, it it's it's weird. <laughs> she's a webcam girl. <laughs> no, she's she's an Orthodox teacher who goes over to women's houses like the week before their wedding to teach them about sex. Oh, yeah, it's a house call. Yeah, yeah, even better. And she also like trains women's vaginas to be able to accept penises. So she pops their cherries. No, 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 because that's. Like, in their eyes, disgusting. Like, a woman should never touch another woman. But what she does is she... Um, she in in the <laughs> In the unorthodox series, she brings over a series of, like, stretchers. They're basically dildos, but they start off small and get bigger, and she, like, basically gives her a set of them to, like, train her vagina to accept her husband's penis. I know. It's a lot. So the whole point of that was to talk about the fact that she just has a talk with her mom. She doesn't get like a dildo set or anything like bogus. Well, obviously, the talk was somewhat fruitful because by 2006, after seven years of marriage, they have five children, Wayne, Alan, Emma, Marvin and Marie. Sounds like they found the right hole. Yeah. Eli starts to get a wandering eye. And with his job at the fishing and hunting store that he owns, he has the opportunity to interact with people in the English world. People describe him as a charmer and a big flirt. Plus, his Abe Lincoln beard makes him look like a real hot dude. <laughs> Hence the name I, Amish Stud. Correct. Eli spends more and more time at the store, and Barbara spends more and more time alone at home with the kids. When he is home, he is frustrated and distant. He demands sex from Barbara and gives her no warmth or affection in return. He also really wants oral sex from her because it's something that he learned about during his rumspringa. But Barbara can't do it because it goes against her beliefs around sex, which is only for procreation, not for pleasure or enjoyment. Eli has a secret smartphone that he is sort of allowed to use for his business, kind of similar to like the website we were talking about and stuff. Right. They make allowances for business owners. But he is not supposed to have it on him full time, but he does, exclamation mark. <laughs> he also smokes a pipe, which he's not supposed to do, and has a huge online presence in dating communities, 
known as the Amish stud from Wooster. Fuck Wo- yeah. Wooster. His profile reads or read, who wants to do two, the number two, do an Amish guy exclamation mark. Apparently they didn't teach him about grammar in the Amish community. He has over 150 English women linked to his online dating profile with handles like too much ass, like two underscore much underscore ass. There's also 69 smiley girl. <laughs> she sounds like fun. And all one word, naughty little sexy sex slave. Whatever. Yeah, that's my favorite kind. Apparently, these are the women who want to, to do an Amish guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's on their to-do list. Other weird loopholes, the Amish can't use cars, but they can be in cars as long as someone else is driving. That's <laughs> so lame. So Eli gets driven around by an older ex-Amish woman by the name of Barbara, would you say Raber? Mm-hmm. Okay. To help uncomplicate things, I'm going to call her Barb, not Barbara, when I'm referring to the ex-Amish cabbie seductress. She's known to cheat on her husband with Amish men. She gets a thrill out of it. Though Barbara had her suspicions about Barb, the elders didn't. And honestly, Barb Raber does not fit the profile of a sexy seductress. I can't say that word. (laughs) At least 10 years his senior, she's married with three kids at home. And if you see the documentary, she is not a seductress by any means. (laughs) Or if you look at a picture of her, she's gross. Or if you listen to her name, Barb (laughs) Raber. Fuck. Nonetheless, they're doing it. I also heard she gave him a laptop, she gave him a cell phone, and she gave him oral sex, like, immediately. So he was just like, whoa, like a kid in a playground, you know? Yeah, hell yeah. So that's how she hooked her Amish dudes. It was easy. All she had to do is dangle a smartphone yeah, in front of just him. Kiss the tip. <laughs> so they're doing it, which is fucking gross. Uh, <laughs> he also starts leaving home for long stretches of time, probably for BJ's, saying he's going on hunting or fishing trips. During these trips, he's either humping Barb or hooking up with the multitude of women he's sexually chatting online with. Barbara is left at home with five children under the age of eight and doesn't believe he is cheating on her. Oh, Barbara. I know. To anyone else, they would at least suspect it, but she doesn't because she's pure and Amish. When Eli is home, their children watch as their father becomes physical with their mother. The Weaver kids saw their father physically shove and grab their mother. But as one Amish leader said, if Barbara had reported it to the bishop, she would have been asked... What did you do to your husband that he would treat you like that? As for why Weaver and and his wandering eye didn't just leave the marriage, Andy Hyde, his attorney, said, quote, If he had left, he would have been shunned. If his wife is dead, they pat him on the back. Then, on one day in 2006, he comes home and tells Barbara that he's done. He's out. He didn't love her anymore. He told her he fell in love with another woman. In April of 2006, Barbara went to seek Amish counseling at the Hafnanheim. She unburdens herself to her counselor. She has her write letters to Eli to voice her frustrations in their failing marriage. 
In one of her letters, she writes, Where did my friend, love, trustworthy husband go to? He hates me to the core. It's so sad. That's harsh. Andy Hyde is the go-to lawyer to all of the Amish people, and he helped represent Eli and, like, you know, gave him counsel and everything. He says that reading the letters that she wrote to Eli during their counseling sessions, because it was in evidence, he said it was the only time basically in his 20-plus career where he couldn't keep it together in court. It oh. made he cried in in the in the deadly devotions episode. Right, yeah. He breaks too. He's just like she had no idea how fucking horrible how he was. He was yeah, and how desperately she wanted him back because it was the only man she had ever even looked at in her entire life. Yeah, and he it's really it's tough. There is virtually no such thing as divorce in the Amish faith, so she keeps on holding on. And going to counseling. When Eli comes home to see the kids, Barbara is not only shocked to see him, but he is home without a beard and without his traditional Amish clothing. Though the community helps her while he is gone, she hopes and dreams he comes back, but he doesn't. Do you want to talk about the beard for a second? Yeah, what about it? So, correct me if I'm wrong, but once you get married, you let it grow, right? I believe so. I think it's after you get baptized, maybe. Okay. Or married. I think it's, it's I think one it's baptized. Of the two. Yeah. Well, he got baptized and married like within the same year, too. I think many do. Yeah. Um, Which is about 18. Because their rum tringa runs from about 16 to 18. And then they get baptized when they make. So I think it's a coming of age thing. So I think it probably is so I th- after I, their baptism. I could be wrong. But I think, yeah. So the beard, I, uh, I think maybe in the Muslim faith, too, like. In the Orthodox Jewish religion, it's the those curls. Right. But yeah. it's kind of like um like the longer it is, it's kind of like uh shows your devotion. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of like almost like a rank, you know, like you've been doing it this long. Yeah. So when he comes back shaving and stuff, it's like, whoa. So all of her hopes and dreams that he would come back get really dashed because she's like, Oh shit, you really got serious about leaving, leaving, you know? Like you're no longer part of this anymore. He's gone English. He's gone English, exactly. And I think at this point, he's actually living with, like, a girlfriend. I don't think it's Barb Raber because she's kind of still keeping her facade of having, like, a family and stuff. She just cheats on her she husband. She has to go to bed early because she's really old and gross looking. <laughs> What's crazy is that she's actually not that old. She just looks like a fucking grandma. She's, like, 39 in a lot of the pictures, which is younger than you. Yeah, well... <laughs> When but she you looks old. Pump out kids all day and milk cows. Well, till she, the cows no, come no, home. she's ex Amish. She she left during her run. I'm sure she's milked a few cows in her day. <laughs> she sure looks like it. I wonder if they ever come trying to milk her. Well, it sounds like I think the Amish that, I think, stud did. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's what she does. After six months, he comes back into town for his close friend's wedding. Barbara knows he wouldn't miss it, so she goes too, hoping to see him. So when Eli shows up, he stays at the back of the church because, again, like he's been shunned from the community for leaving. And he goes to talk to her or she goes to talk to him and they kind of fall back in love, which is sad. I wish he had just fucking stayed stayed gone, you know, or that she would have, I don't know, lived her life without him. He profusely apologizes to her, promising to come back. She forgives him. 
He says the English world is too complicated and wants to come back to the simple Amish way of life. By the end of January 2007, he was back home, growing back his beard and apologizing to everyone. They both agree to put the past behind them and move on with their lives. The elders even forgive him, but make him turn over his cell phone. He pinky swears to stop dipping his Amish wick into the English ladies. <laughs> yeah, a pinky swear forged in blood. <laughs> After a year, he starts to get the wandering eye again, and he starts to get real dark and moody at home. One person says that he came back in body, but not in spirit. He starts to be really indifferent to the children and Barbara again. Though he had left his English girlfriend in town, he never actually stopped banging Barb Raber during this whole time. Which is weird, weird. She was just too good at milking the cow. <laughs> Milk, like squeezing his udder, yeah. Exactly, yep. By 2009, the marriage was seriously on the rocks again. He's back on the internet and back on his smartphone, which Barb probably got him. Ugh, gross. He's addicted to grinder. Yeah. There was a name for the website. It wasn't like, it wasn't anything I've ever heard of, but I think it was like, like Amish glory hole. No, it was like Moco club or something. I don't, it was something I'd never heard of before, hmm. he, but he was willing to take that risk to have his smartphone on him and be connected to like the internet and stuff. He juggles dozens of online hookups while being at home. One woman who goes by the name of Mary in the deadly devotion episode she meets Eli online and he calls at this point. He's not the Amish stud anymore. He's just Amish guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think at this point he's about 30 years old. Yeah. That's usually when you go from stud, <laughs> stud to, to guy. To guy. Right, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so Mary loves to hunt and fish. So she goes to his store all the time to see him and get things. She talks about how unhappy he was in his marriage, but says he can't leave because the kids also, if he left the marriage, he would lose his store. During all this time, Barb Raber thought she was the only mistress, but she wasn't. Oh, no. He was sleeping with multiple women during this point, so he spent all the family's money on his mistresses. He closed their joint bank account and cut Barbara off completely. <laughs> Doesn't that suck? She could hardly feed their kids. Yeah, so that's... Pretty fucked up. Yes, she had to like go beg like her neighbors for food while he's like hooking up with chicks. He should have named himself the Amish cunt. <laughs> so then one day he crushes up a whole pack of sleeping pills into a soda. What are you going to do with that, bud? So Barbara comes in from outside and asks him to take a sip of it. She doesn't drink enough to harm her, but asks him about it. I think because it tastes fucked up or something. Yeah. So he says he was going to kill himself with it. Which and is, a, am pretty sure, a cover story. I think he was trying to kill her with gonna it. Going to kill her. And so they have this weird come to Jesus moment. And he tells her about Barb, Mary, and his online dating profile, etc. She still forgives him. And they take another stab at marriage. I wouldn't. I like how you put stab in there. So very another shot at marriage. Uh, yeah. Another axe wound at marriage. Yeah. 
So very shortly after this incident, Eli straight up asked several people to kill his wife. Just like, hey, you want to kill my wife? So it's kind of sunny today. Hey, would you kill my wife? Yeah. Most people laughed it off because that's what Amish people joke about. (laughs) Barb Rader didn't. She's like, oh, yeah. From May 30th to June 2nd, 2009, Barb and Eli exchanged text messages about methods of murder. Eli gave suggestions, blowing up the house. (laughs) That that was a suggestion. (laughs) Shooting his wife, poisons. Blowing up the house is a nice, subtle one. Yeah. Investigators discovered 840 internet searches (laughs) that were poison-related. 840! Only 840, as well as this very incriminating text message conversation between him and Barb. I thought if we could get that fly poison stuff in a spice cupcake, she might not detect it. Barb texted Eli. Well, maybe you could just blow up the house, Eli texted Barb. What about your kids? The kids will go to heaven because they're innocent. Nice and casual, right? (laughs) Jesus. He's really living up to that Amish cunt name. Yeah. So on the morning of June 2nd, 2009... Eli left very early for a fishing trip. They say around 3 a.m. It was still dark out. And he left out of the basement door. Barbara goes back to sleep. Her oldest son, Wayne, who is nine years old, wakes up around 8 a.m. looking for his mother. He goes to his mother's room and finds her lifeless body under the comforter. Wayne runs to get help. When the police come back to investigate, it's unbelievable. An Amish woman killed while in her bed is pretty much unheard of. The police immediately call Eli on his contraband cell phone. He's instructed to come home right away. While he is speaking with cops, Eli gets a scary voicemail that says, quote, Eli, you can run, but you can't hide. We'll get you. Obviously, we made a mistake last night. Disquote. <laughs> so it seems like the killer's target was Eli and Barbara was an innocent bystander. Or at least that's what he wants it to seem like. So he appears frozen in fear. He is honest about his affairs and seems repentant to police. When asked about who might want to do this to his wife, he decides to throw his former mistress, Mary, under the bus, saying she had joked about killing her earlier. He turns over his cell records. When Mary hears about the murder, she immediately calls the police and tells them about her relationship with Eli and how he had joked to her if she ever saw Barbara in the driveway, to just run her over. (laughs) Or blow up the house. Well, no, that's to Barb. This is Mary. (laughs) So we, just that sound right now, um, we did, we are officially adopting the dog we found in the alleyway in Oxnard. And he has... He's got PTSD like a motherfucker. Yeah, he's got pretty bad PTSD. He's fairly unadoptable, which is why we're keeping him. And we love him. But he falls asleep and he'll wake up freaked out, like in attacking, because I think he still thinks he's in his old home. So he was sleeping. He just woke up right now. (laughs) He's such a sad little dog. (laughs) I started doing that when I wake up too, (laughs) punching the air. Please don't. So here's the thing about the Amish. Because they don't have access to or knowledge of how a lot of technology works, I guess he didn't know that it's really easy to pull text message conversations and emails and search history on computers, even if you delete it. 
it's still fucking easy for people to find. And this is 2009. So this isn't that long ago. The internet's been around for a while. People have smartphones. The technology exists to investigate it in law enforcement. Yeah. Dope. The night before the murder, there was a clear planning of it in the text message conversation between Barb Raper and Eli. They also find that Barb was the one who bought the sleeping pills that Eli tried to kill his wife with the week before. So she's tied to that. With the overwhelming amount of evidence that the police have on Eli, he finally confesses. He admits that he left the basement door open for Barb to come into when he leaves for his fishing trip. He told her to bring a gun and a flashlight. They also find that he arranged for Barb to have someone leave the incriminating voicemail on his phone when, you know, police were there. Barb said she'd taken a gun from her husband's gun cabinet, but didn't remember loading it. She thought she'd arrive at the Weaver house around 4.30 a.m., entering through an unlocked basement door. She went to the bedroom where she saw Barbara Weaver lying in bed. I never intended for anything to happen, but then when it did, I was like, oh, crap, Barb Raber later said. They actually bleeped out the A and the P of oh, crap there, which I think that this came from like an Amish newspaper or something. I don't know. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Yeah, that is. It's not a bad word. I think that even outside of the Amish community, it's a fairly conservative community in general. There's a lot of like Mennonites and like just people that are very devout. And so they they bleeped it out in the newspaper. Oh, fecal matter. (laughs) She shot Barbara dead, but later said she had no memory of the incident. However, Barb Raber's lawyer said Eli shot his wife early that morning before he went fishing. So she like admitted to doing it. And then when it came down to it, they they turned on each other. She was like, no, 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 you know what? Maybe I didn't do it, and he did it. Who do you think did it? Oh, she did it. She did it? Yeah, absolutely. So He's complicit, and that's what will end up happening in court. He's complicit in the murder. He definitely planned. It's just like hiring a hitman. Right. No, yeah. I understand that. But you don't think he did it? No, I don't know. I think he's too much of a pussy. Ooh. Eli and Barb were arrested and charged with aggravated murder on June 10th, 2009, only eight days after the murder. Barb sobbed at the time of her arrest. It was an accident. So again, she says the Miranda thing when they, you know, the Miranda rights when they arrest you say, you know, anything you do or say can be used against you in a court of law. She said it was an accident. Like, so she admits to doing it. Maybe it's not quote unquote intentional. Maybe she just went to scare her or something. But but I she it. admits to doing it, yeah. like straight up like when she gets arrested. Later, she recanted her story and said she had no memory of having been in the Weaver house. In court, Barb's attorney argued that Eli had shot his wife before he went fishing at three thirty a.m. Oh, and also I just want to say the county, um, you know, examiner, the medical examiner said that the death happened. The only time frame he could give was midnight to 6 a.m. So it's a fairly big window of time. So it really could have been Barb or Eli, because if he left at 3.30 in the morning, that still puts him in the window of having been able to do it, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, in addition to the shotgun wound, Barbara's body had unexplained contusions, scratches and bruising. Ugh. So, who knows what really happened. Yeah. Although the murder weapon was never found and Barbara's prints were not in the house, she was convicted of aggravated murder. 
So that makes me think that he did it because he probably roughed her up first. Maybe they did it together. Well, she knew about it, obviously. Barb. So, Or maybe I'm saying like she got there when he was still there and he roughed her up and she shot because it's her husband's gun. Right. But I don't know. It's fucking gross. Yeah, totally. So she was convicted of aggravated murder. She's serving 23 years to life. Weaver cut a deal and was convicted of complicity to commit murder. He's serving 15 years to life. And in four years, he'll be up for his first parole hearing. Yeah, that's I know. not fucking cool. I don't think he'll get it. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I was trying to find how he was in prison, and I couldn't find anything. Because I love, like, when I hear about, like, Scott Peterson or other pieces of shit that are in jail that killed their wives or, like, were convicted of killing their wives. Like, how they're super fucked up in jail. Like, they're everybody. Like, I've heard that Scott Peterson is everybody's bitch in jail. <laughs> Which makes me. Is he the one un- that's loving it, too? Oh, he love. I think he loves it. Yeah. I think that a lot of pieces of shit who like couldn't make it in the real world weirdly make it in jail world because they're such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard you heard it here first. And I think that people who either commit nonviolent crimes, which we're going to be covering one very soon and it's super fucking interesting, people who commit nonviolent crimes like you know either like white collar criminals or what i think that they have the hardest time in jail because one they thought that they were going to get away with it and two they don't know how to be violent but murderers and stuff i don't think they have as hard a time in jail no i think that's kind of they're in their element you yeah. know when they can fucking maim and murder at and kind at of their without leisure. consequence yeah. yeah except for maybe getting solitary or whatever yeah So Weaver said, quote, I am very sorry for what I did, and I hope everybody can forgive me for what I did. And he said that to the judge, Robert J. Brown, and a packed Wayne County Common Pleas courtroom during his sentencing hearing. I also heard in the Deadly Devotions episode, they said that if Eli Weaver gets out in 2024, which is his, I doubt he's going to, but that'll be his first parole hearing. There was a guy who said, If he tried to come back to Apple Valley or Apple Creek, wherever, you know, this is in Ohio, and tried to be a part of the community again, they said literally the whole community would just leave and he would be one man completely alone in a town. Hmm. Because, like, they're not into confrontation either. They're very peaceful people. And again, like, it's a little skewed and stuff because of being so insulated, but... They just said that people would just pack up and leave if he were able to come, if he came back, because that's just how much that people just don't want to be around him or interact with him at all, that he would be a one-person town. Do you ever see that show, Amish Mafia? No, but I know about it. I remember seeing commercials for it all the time. I never watched it, but they were driving around in black SUVs like they were like... Yeah, they were definitely taking some The Sopranos or something, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, like, smartphones and phones at all were not allowed in the Amish religion at all. But then when businesses started going online and they kind of realized that if they didn't go online or have access to some kind of technology when it comes to their businesses, they knew that they wouldn't be able to compete in the marketplace. So then they started making all of these allowances for especially like business going against God's will. Well, they just started kind of like 
To make a buck, no, no less. Yeah. Well, you got to keep those farms running. Tell that to God. <laughs> I did. I hope you're listening, <laughs> guy. <laughs> or girl. Yeah. Well, it's both, I think. Baffle me. So in one of the last letters to her counselor, Barbara Weaver wrote of her husband, quote, I often think of Christ's words, forgive him for he knows not what he does. Mm. Isn't that yeah. the fucking I know. saddest She's thing? Like a, she was a good person. so fucking pure. Yeah. Barbara Weaver's five children are being raised by relatives. And from what I've read online, allegedly they're thriving and doing very well. They're all still in the Amish community. Good for them. It was only the third time an Amish man was suspected of killing his wife in the 250 years the Amish have lived in America. Which I know I said to that at the beginning, but I just kind of wanted to reinforce that. I just find that to be such a weird statistic. So I have a weird Amish-related question. Okay, shoot. Oh, maybe I shouldn't use that word. Go. Stab. <laughs> yeah, so what do you think? Well, so I so about Amish. Amishness? Um, yeah, Amish faith. Does this exist in Germany or in Holland or wherever the hell they came from? No, I think that, you know, so it was invented in the States. I believe so. I think that 250 years ago. So they were Puritans that left Holland, probably. Germany. I know they say Germany, but it's probably, yeah, whatever. Same they left shit. that region. So it started in America. I believe so. I think that, again, I'm, I'm just guessing here just based on history. If they came 250 years ago and settled on the land and they were devout Christians, right? And then technology started coming in and then they could see their kids getting excited by technology, seeing, you know, farms get shut down because mechanical robotic things can do things fast. I think that they started to, as a way of like preserving their, you know, pure or puritanical way of life was they just started making those things illegal you know what i mean in their religion and they just started cutting off contact to the outside world and became more insulated and more insulated over time i think it was a way to keep people in the amish way of life which was just to cut off everywhere i don't know it's yeah just it's like that movie the village yeah, I think that the religion formed around the necessity to kind of keep that way of life that they liked. Yeah, so like the village where she doesn't know there's a whole town outside that one. Like, oh, I haven't seen that in such a long time. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it seems like it's like the 1800s or whatever. But and, it's and are they Amish? They appear they're like some puritanical. Yeah, I feel like she's wearing a bonnet. Yeah, I bet you it is Amish. And then, like, they're in the in the clearing in the woods, and then, like, you're not supposed to go in the woods. And so she does, and then she goes far enough in the woods where she gets to a town, and it's, like, modern day, pretty much. But you know what's funny? The Amish, you know, how they are living in basically, not so much now, but, like, the dark ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, with this COVID thing and food supply chains breaking down and, you know, how... They're probably not being affected by it. How society soon is probably going to eat itself and the cities and the world's... They've been doing... They're doing it right. ...smoldering ruins. Yeah. They're going to be the only motherfuckers left. Because they're completely... They, self-reliant. They're, yeah, they're totally self-reliant. We although, don't need fucking power grid or your smartphones although or I, your... I fucking do, Big Macs. Okay, okay. I do think that over time, though, that they've made allowances to allow outside. Like, I don't think that they're totally insulated today. 
I think so. Even the Rumspringa documentary, but they're from like still farmers and they yeah, still far- make their own. Food. They know how to do. Shit. They know how to turn butter. Yeah, yeah, and they know how to raise livestock and they know how to grow food. Even if they've made allowances to get outside resources and stuff, it's not like they've completely lost like their ability to be resourceful. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So even if they have made some allowances, they could pull those back if they needed to. Like, like let's say if they got meat from like a nearby factory or something that wasn't Amish owned, like they could stop doing that and raise cattle again themselves. But see, I don't know any of this for a fact because I don't know. I'm Amish probably guessing that they can't eat meat from a factory they have probably have to like raise it themselves and then yeah it's probably what goes back to the hasidic orthodox jew thing you can't eat anything that's not kosher i wonder if like the amish have rules with their food like that you know yeah i don't know man devout religions fucking stupid well they're no i wouldn't say don't say that it's all man it's it's man-made it's man-made to control man well, that's what the government is, too. Yeah, that's why I fucking hate it all. <laughs> so that's our parting line here at the True Crime Dumpster. We hate everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you can join our Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> you can, where we, we post... <laughs> called true crime dunster where we post related pictures for the week's episode and discuss other true crime things i'm going to be posting a few other stories that have kind of come to light that suck today and then you can also follow us on twitter tc dumpster and on instagram true crime dumpster you can email us at true crime dumpster at gmail.com and we also have a website where we post our source info true crime dumpster.com Listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify. Lastly, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about our podcast. Tune in next time where we talk out the trash. Take care. Reach out for help if you need it. And we're here from you. For you. We're here from you. (laughs) We are kind of here from you. We wouldn't be doing this if there wasn't, like, at least you. A couple people listening. We, We probably would. Entertaining for us. We don't even know if you're listening or not, so. Yeah, Dracula. So, keep on being undead out in Transylvania, and uh, we'll catch you next time, okay? All right, bye.